Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. I'm your host, Alan Seals, and our guest today is a new friend of mine, Mauro Hefasco. He is this wonderful Brazilian gentleman. He's the percussionist in American Utopia on Broadway right now. He's been working with David Byrne and touring with the Talking Heads since 1994, right after he got his master's degree in percussion of all things i didn't know you could get a master's degree as a percussionist but this dude did it he's got some new music that we get into we talk about his touring career he's just one of the the nicest people you know i love this guy it's great he's awesome so i hope you enjoy it as much as i do Find me online on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Leave a rating and a review for the podcast wherever you're listening now. Make sure to go see American Utopia, by the way, because it just announced its final extension on Broadway through April 3rd. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Mauro Hefasco. I'm so excited to introduce our guest today. I started to write this intro and realized that uh, beginning here is just best plagiarized from his own website. So here we go. I'm going to add a little bit of my own flair. He's a professional percussionist and person who likes to bang on things, who performs and records with artists such as David Byrne, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Tom York's Adams for Peace. After beginning his touring career in 94 as Byrne's percussionist, he returned to New York City and joined cult creative ensemble The Lounge Lizards playing experimental punk jazz. I love that. He formed his own band, Foro in the Dark, which has recorded four full-length albums and performed at major domestic and international festivals. He has even also composed music and soundtracks for movies, television, fashion shows, and off-Broadway plays. You can now find him walking around barefoot on Broadway in American Utopia. Let me see if I can get your name right. Mauro Hufesco. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. Did I do that? Did I do that right? You did great. Oh, okay. So obviously, as an American, I butchered your Brazilian name. So I want to start with your Brazilian origin story. So tell me, you, you grew up, you born in Brazil. So how did you get into performing? Well, I, I, I was born in this little, place, this little city in the south of Brazil called Joaçaba. It's, it's a mystery for me how I got into performance. But I can give you my version of it. Please. I think... You know, like, uh, I, I was into playing soccer. Uh, I, that was my passion, and it still is one of my passions, you know. And I I used to go to the stadium, like, to, to there was a, a little stadium and a, a team in the, in the city that I, I grew up. And I used to go in every game. I was, like, a big fan. And at the stadium, there is, like, always in Brazil, there is always people drumming and playing samba and and that was my 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 first experience with drumming uh, not that i played because they wouldn't let me touch the instruments but i was really close to the people that were playing you know the guys that were like mm-hmm. jamming and like so watching the game and playing samba you know, and, and it's fascinating because it's very it's something very musical you know if the team is like attacking and almost scoring a goal the samba is like yeah 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 it's like fast but then if it's like 
you know like defending it's it's kind of like you know it's like there is this silence so it's it's something very it's very musical so it's, and, I, it's, and i like that so that was my first ex- experience with 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 music and that's that's interesting because maybe. it's essentially creating a, a a live soundtrack right and everybody wants their own entrance music i want to walk into a door and, and walk through a door and have it my my entrance music <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's, it's exactly that it's creating your own soundtrack and you know like uh and it's right there. <laughs> so what's the difference between a, a drummer and a percussionist? Oh, I think the, 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 the drummer, it's, you know, there is this drum set is something very specific, you know, like um, it's this group of instruments that there is a, a whole vocabulary and uh, there is a whole set of like rhythms that are played with that. And so, so, so it has something very, uh, uh, like, like established a pattern, you know, like, which is like a snare drum, bass drum, hi hat, cymbals, and then maybe some toms. So that that's a drum set. The percussion, it's like basically everything else that's not a drum set. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this vast, huge family of of drums, uh, usually. From, from different nations, you know, like uh, there is the classical percussion, you know, like uh, the, the instruments that are used in symphony orchestras, like the classical timpanis, snare drums, uh, bass drums, like cymbals, uh, then goes into the mallet instruments, which is the melodic percussion, like vibraphone, marimba, glockenspiel, xylophone, uh, into the more ethnic percussion you know then it it's that's that's where the vastness you know gets really vast <laughs> is it is is one a subset of the other or if you can do one you can do the other or like would you would you be able to sit down at a standard drum set and knock out a get you know like or or you're like no give me you know all these videos and we're gonna get into the david the david byrne wackiness of all of this because you're having to invent new ways of walking literally walking around with percussion instruments but but are you able to are you able to sit down at a drum set and just not knock out a great rhythm or is that a completely different skill set and you're like no i need a drummer for that but i'm gonna go do this other amazing thing (laughs) i think to some extent i can do that uh there is i think there's a limitation on on how how much i can do on the drum set because it's a specific technique that you, you know, you develop, like, especially using your, because you use all four limbs, you know, like, so I think my, my legs are not quite there with my hands, but, you know, I can, I can butcher something <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> well, you're, you seem like a very humble guy, so I'm going to brag for you. You, you went to uh, you're with these soccer games which i do you call them football or soccer did you say soccer just because i'm american well I, I i call it soccer because we're like in america but yes yes in my heart i call it football i'm in the middle of of season two of ted lasso so i've got the whole oh my yeah. god really <laughs> yeah isn't that the greatest show ever i know i love it and jason sudeikis <laughs> that dude he's created this character i feel like it's something he invented with his friends and he's like 
All right, let's uh, let's turn this into a show because uh, <laughs> Coach Beard is his friend in real life. They created it together, and I'm just I'm fascinated by this whole this whole yeah, character. the whole plot of like leaving Kansas to go coach like a Premier League. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I love it. I know, I know, I love it. Um, okay, so back to you. You're you're at you're in these soccer stadiums, seeing all this stuff, and then at some point, you decide I'm going to do this professionally and decide to do that because you got a bachelor's degree in percussion from Sao Paulo State University in 90, moved to New York in 92, and then went to Manhattan School of Music with a master's in, you got a master's in percussion in 94, and then immediately in 94 started touring with David Byrne. So obviously you're good at this stuff. (laughs) And I want to, I want to hear like, what, what was, (laughs) what was that? What was that moment where you're like, yeah, I want to beat on things professionally for the rest of my life? Well, there, 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 is, a, there is a moment, you know, it's, it's so funny, it's, it's still vivid in my memory. I think it was the first time I saw a symphony orchestra playing. There was a theater in this city that I, I, I was living there and I moved from the little city that I was born. And... This symphony orchestra came to, to town and I went to see the concert, you know, it was like, maybe I was like 15. And I think they were playing Carmen Overture. And there's a moment that the percussionist, he, he lifts up the tambourine and he hits the tambourine in, in such a dramatic way and such an f- effective way that I was like, wow, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and and th- that was it, you know. I, I I had already the passion for for music, and I was I I was started already practicing, but that was the moment that I decided, okay, this is what I want to do, and and then I just you know it gave me the, the the strength to pursue that, because to be a musician you have to really it has to click. And then once it clicks, you have to pursue because it's uh, it's kind of not not an easy you know not at all not an easy path. No, nothing uh, about I, being an artist is easy. Yeah, I I, th- I know there is the, the the personal struggles that we all go through being an artist. Also, the 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 struggles of like it because it's so vast of what you can do and. Uh, it's always a mystery. How are you going to do that? How are you going to get that? How are you going to be an orchestra player? How are you going to be in a band? Or how are you going to... So it's like, oh my God, you have to face so many things. And also on top of that, you have to practice, you have to develop your skills. I think I was able to organize that in my mind, you know, like in a way that I had to, okay, you have to practice, but at the same time, you have to think of the future, what are you going to be doing? So I, I was able to to have the discernment of like always kind of like planning a little step ahead. So when I when I was nineteen, I I, I joined this university, uh, and then maybe in the second year of the university, I was like, oh, the next step is to do a master, and so I start looking for universities. Then you know, like maybe even halfway before I, I complete my, my, my undergrad, I was already looking for, you know, like choosing a place to go into my master's. And that's where I came across the, uh, Manhattan School of Music. And so, you know, I always kind of like had this sense of like, 
a little bit of preparation to what the next step was going to be. Is it, is there a lot of competition in this space? Because I hear you know, all these stories about uh, these singers and, and, and dancers and, and I got to get into, you know, like Manhattan School of Music is this great school and Juilliard is this great school and NYU is this great school. And there's always people trying to do the popular things. And, and to me, and I'm not saying percussion isn't popular. I guess what I'm asking is, is it rare for someone to want to focus specifically on percussion like you've done? Or are there a lot of people that are just standing in line to get in? Like, how, does, how does that work from a schooling perspective, an academic perspective? Uh, yeah, of, of course, there is a, a little competition because you always, in these cases, you know, you have to do auditions, you know, to, to be accepted at a school. There is a certain number of places and then a certain number of candidates. Sometimes it's like even negative, so you, you can enter easily. But in this case, you know, like uh, at the university that I went in Brazil, maybe there was like, there was three places a year. And maybe there was like 12 candidates. And in the case of Manhattan School of Music was, was really, uh, it was a mix of luck and also a mix of like, you know, maybe skills that I had to, to get there. Because I studied with this guy, Christopher Lamb. He's the principal percussionist of New York Philharmonic. Hmm. And he chose one student a year from all over the world. You know, people came from all over and did auditions. I sent like a VCR to him and he, he and he chose me so it was was really you know it's luck and also you know a set of skills uh, so it's a combination but going back a little bit on your question about the competition i think once you accept who you are you know in the in this this music spectrum I don't think there is competition anymore. You have just to trust yourself. You're unique. You're like, you know, as a percussionist, as a drummer, you're like a unique entity. And that that will take care of itself, you know. That will be... You, you, you're going to find your way. That That's a, a kind of a common theme in general in the arts is if you're going to... The people who I have found are truly successful and comfortable in their own skin are the ones who embrace exactly what makes them unique and different because if you're trying to be like other people you're never going to get there you're always not going to not be good enough yeah you're always going to be comparing yourself and and you know it's it's not not a good place to be so okay you graduate 90, 1994 talking heads david byrne how does that happen because that's that's huge you, uh, you graduate and all of a sudden you're doing this huge tour <laughs> yeah well, it was, it was a process, you know, when I came to, to, to I, I, well, before I, I, I left Brazil, I always had passion for popular music and, you know, like, so even though I was in a classical school, I, I, I was doing like popular percussion, you know, like playing the Brazilian instruments, playing the samba drums, playing berimbau, the capoeira, all the other styles of music. And when I came to, to Manhattan, um, I experienced this kind of freedom that it just hit me like, and I was able to say, no, I don't want to be a classical percussionist. I want to be really a popular percussionist, you know, play pop music and play, you know, because there's so many venues and there's much more freedom in doing that than rather than 
playing an orchestra. Uh, and once that came, you know, once that was clear in my mind, I started playing everywhere I could in, in Manhattan. Of course, I was, you know, studying and practicing at school. But at school, I was playing with the big bands, you know, the jazz big bands, not just the classical ensembles. Of course, I was playing the classical ensembles too, but I was expanding my, my, my horizons. And then I started playing gigs around town. Uh, I was playing samba on the subway, samba on Central Park, if weddings, you know, I was playing everywhere, anywhere, <laughs> you know, that could fit me. I was, I was there. <laughs> and, and, and I think I, I got this, this call to, to, to audition for David's band. And because he was looking for someone to play percussion and the mallet instruments, vibraphone and marimba, for a tour that he was doing. And, and I went in and <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> I went in, it was the first time I was doing an audition for pop music, you know. So they sent me a cassette with three songs. Uh, I learned the songs. And I went in and played with the band and played with David. And I think it went well. And they all, you know, said, wow, that was great. That was really nice. Thank you. And I came straight to David, you know, <laughs> said, so did I get a job? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was like taken back, you know, he was like, oh, uh, 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 well, we still have more people to audition. <laughs> But I, was, I had no idea how that process worked, you know. And, I, well, a couple of weeks later, his, his manager then called me and said, yeah, I think we, we want you to come and do an interview. And, uh, and then, you know, like, <laughs> and that was it. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. An interview, what do you, do you interview, well, I guess I never thought about an actual interview after an audition like that. So what was, what was the interview? It was actually, it was, I think she, she wants to, to just to get to know me, but there was a moment that was really funny that, uh, she, you know, she was just like, oh, so I think she was just getting to know me a little bit better, you know, like, and, and get maybe my visa status or you know like all this but but at some point she was like she she turned to me and asked me so do you want to sing backing vocals and i was like sure i want to <laughs> sing backing vocals <laughs> she didn't ask me like can you sing backing vocals <laughs> that's absolutely <laughs> another question <laughs> and of course i want to sing backing vocals you know who doesn't want to sing backing vocals uh, and of course, I could not sing backing vocals because I had never practiced that. So they gave me a microphone, like this kind of Madonna-like microphone, you mm -hmm. know, the, the ones that you cannot run away from me. <laughs> and I was playing all these drums and all this percussion. And at, and, and at the same time, I was supposed to sing backing vocals in all these songs that I had no idea what to do. And that was like really... That was the scary part of that tour. And at some point, I went to David and said, man, I'm so sorry, but I don't think I can do this. And he was very generous and, you know, he understood. You mean sing the backup vocals or sing just do the percussion? Yeah, I, I end up just... There was one song, Burning Down the House, that all you have to do is shut 
shout out burning down the house that right. was my oh, no, that was house. my only backing vocals <laughs> end up singing <laughs> <laughs> that's fun I, so were were you over the over the time like you've been with david for so long now and um over time have when did you start um I guess helping him create new music and then especially like coming into American Utopia, it was such a, a, a unique way to perform music. There's nobody sitting in one spot. You're a percussionist until American Utopia. I'd never seen a percussionist move around a stage before. Right. Um, yeah, there was, you know, like I, I, I did many projects with him and many tours. There was one special, a very special one called Grown Backwards, a record from 2004. There was, I think I was more involved in the, in the creative of, of, of the recording of like the, and, and that was very special because he, he sent like snips of like music ideas. And, and so we went to the studio based on those music ideas and, and made this record. The other was American Utopia, you know, like a, uh, I came in really early in the process of recording the record and I laid down percussion on a lot of the tracks and it took him maybe a couple of years to finish the, the, the record. So mm -hmm. when when he sent me the record was already something else. Uh, that you know, the the first sketches that I saw. And and he explained me the concept. He he wrote an email saying the idea is to have the stage absolutely empty. Uh, listen to the music and tell me how many drummers or percussionists would take to to recreate this music. So I, you know, I I sat down and I listen and start, you know, notating the, the drums. And I, I wrote back to him and say uh, the minimum would be four people, you know, that we would be carrying the instruments and you know like uh, eight would be amazing. So he said, you have six. So he gave me the liberty of like getting six players, you know. So I assembled this ensemble. I called my friends, you know, mostly my friends, <laughs> and said, do you guys want to go on, road, on the road and, you know, like playing drums, wearing the drums, and also doing a little bit of choreography. And everybody was into the idea. And I said, you're insane. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Call me back it. when you're not drunk. <laughs> yeah. We, and we had our own bus, you know, like, because I think there's limitations on, like, tour buses, you know, how many people you can fit in a bus. So we end up having one bus, and we call it the drum bus. <laughs> That's the six drummers in a driver, like, riding this bus. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the driver was like, I got the best bus. You guys were always... <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I think that guy suffered because we play music so loud and we are jamming. And... But I th he was really cool. It was Nashville, <laughs> you know. So uh, when when was that in the timeline of of discography, right? Because I know American Utopia as, as an album has been around for a long time, but then obviously bringing it to Broadway was just before the pandemic. Right, yeah. The... the album i think it came out i think uh i'm not sure if it's late 2017 maybe early 2018 and that's when we did tour yeah that was when we did this world tour um and and the idea was you know like you know david's always 
exploring, you know, different venues and so, and he had done a musical called Here Lies Love that played mm -hmm. at uh, the public theaters, never made to Broadway. Um, but I think he, he had access to producers and, and at some point, you know, during the tour, he realized that maybe Broadway would be a good fit for that tour, you know, because of the, the you know, the, 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 it's not just a musical show, you know, it's not just a concert. There is something else, you know, we are moving, we are the set, there is something else in there. So he brought in producers and the producers liked the idea and uh, and helped him to explore that. And so the, the, there was this transition, you know, when we finished the tour in end of 2018, maybe there was like a six months of, you know, like they had to make whatever adjustments to go to Broadway. And, and then there was a little bit of change, you know, from the tour. Uh, they cut a few songs, and David included like a narrative. There is a, a little bit of storyline, you can tell, you can say. He's, he's speaking a little bit more in between songs. Yeah, it's very, and, it's very uh, uh, topical and a little bit political. I really like it. I've actually, I guess I'm going to ask the question, but I want you to finish your story. Um, about uh, if with the current situation with Russia and Ukraine, if that's changed the show at all. But go back to your story about the changes. Right, yeah. So, so there's this narrative and it's talk about maybe, a, a, it's like talk about himself and how he feels, also talk about the political aspect of it and how better we can be as human beings. Uh, answer your question, no, we don't mention the because it's, it's such a new event you know in the big picture i think it's in there as well because it's a it's an atrocity that's happening so so it, the show was fit in the sense to be a, a you know like in the in, in in broadway in it's it's not a classical broadway show you know like but it's uh it it it, it reaches that audience as well so it, it crosses you know it brings like the audience from david you know pop and the rock and roll into this new avenue which is it's amazing you know he's really creating a new a new avenue for other artists to explore that did you ever think that this path would lead you to broadway no <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny i i i went once to see a broadway show maybe and once I, wa I watch a Broadway show from the pit, and, and I, I don't have anything against it. I love it, and but it wasn't my, you know, like my passion. My passion is something else, you know. And so it wasn't something that I was pursuing. But doing this 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 run and having access to a little bit a, a bit a, a better understanding of the whole thing, I, I grew up to to respect and, and appreciate and, you know, like, enjoy it. And you open, COVID shuts you down. So then you're like, all right. Well, I mean, what's going through your mind at that point where you say, I've made it on Broadway, we've got this great thing, and now all of a sudden it just got cut short. Did you think it would come back? What was going on behind the scenes during all this time? Well, there is certainly a lot of moments of uncertainties, you know, like everyone experienced that during the pandemic, uh, where you have to put your feet on the ground and just like say, 
you know, trust the unknown. Uh, but at the same time, you know, like people were, you know, not just the Broadway world, but uh, all over the world, people are like, you know, like finding a solution for this problem. When the vaccines became available and, you know, a reality, I think that, uh, you know, allowed this, the, the producers of this industry, you know, per se, you know, that is so, is so primal, so important for New York City to think of reopening. Mm -hmm. and, and so when that started, that whole conversation started, we start hearing back from the producers and from David and, you know, like, and, and getting the plan back, you know, to bring the show back up. So we are really lucky in that sense, you know, when as soon as Broadway opened, we are one of the first shows to be at. Yeah. Germany. Yeah. I was at your, your reopening room. Oh, it nice. was, yeah, it was an incredible, uh, an incredible show. Um, yeah. it still is. And, and, Side note, I haven't mentioned this yet, because the show announced its final extension. You've been extended and extended and brought back and extended. And now the final extension, they say final, who knows? <laughs> the final extension now is through April 3rd. So if you're listening right. now, get your tickets, because who knows when it's going to be back. Uh, but COVID uh, actually kind of went through part of the cast, right? And instead of shutting down or canceling performances like every other show basically has to do because you're running out of swings and standbys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you guys completely reworked it again to do like a, a limited or not limited, I guess. Well, uh, what happened then when you were like, we don't have enough people to perform the full show. <laughs> yeah. It started, it was, it was like this domino effect. One guy got sick, then the other, then the other, you know, like, and then we start running out of like, uh, understudies and then at some point it was like oh i don't think we can do the show and and david was like maybe we can just you know maybe i can pick up the guitar and play some some songs and and of course let the audience know if uh you know that this is what you know you can he he, he joke you know there is a show behind this curtain you can either take it or leave and so a lot of audience came yeah we worked you know, he, he's, well, he has a, a big repertoire, you know, from his, mm -hmm. his, his collection of songs. Uh, so he, he chose a few that would be on, on his guitar playing easy. And, and then we just work out, like maybe we, we had two rehearsals and was, was very exposed and naked, you know, kind of arrangements for the songs, which I think it made it special. It worked out great. At the first show, everybody was nervous. In the last show, we'd last for like a week. We played maybe six shows. Mm -hmm. uh, the last show, everybody was like, I want to keep doing this because it's fun. <laughs> I think it's, it's amazing to watch professional musicians uh, who, who kind of have, I mean, they've been playing together for a long time, right? There's an energy, there's an unspoken connection that all of you have to each other. And no, uh, I mean, I, I feel like... Um, Fish is one of those great examples of they they just know when when the tempo needs to increase and where the, you know where to get pianissimo and where to go fortissimo and it's just you move together in in all of these different places without having to specifically say it. So when you said you only had two rehearsals, I was like, what? Two rehearsals <laughs> for a Broadway show? But then I was like, oh, okay, great. This is I know who I'm talking to here. You guys could do this in your sleep. 
I had done this concert with David once. He he was a guest of Caetanos Veloso. They, he did like this curated week of shows at Carnegie Hall. I think this was 2004. And David was, you know, one of the guests. And, and David invited me to play with him. So it was very, you know, it was just David playing his guitar and I was playing percussion. So it was very stripped down and naked. So we, we had that in our, and works, you know, it was great. You know, people loved it. So we, we had that, you know, certainty. We, I, I went to his, his dressing room and said, yeah, we did that once and, you know, it sure works. So maybe why, why not try again? And, you know, so he put the repertoire together. And so you have this sense, this little bit of like, as you said, you know, it's like, I know when you're going to know when to, to play louder or play softer. But you just trust yourself and do it. And it happens. I, well, it's great because you're good at what you do and you trust each other. And you just, <laughs> I mean, there are no mess ups because you just go with it and change what you're doing. I, I absolutely love that about musical improv is, is that you really can't mess up because no, yeah. <laughs> if you're all listening to each other, you just move in the same direction when somebody pivots. Yeah. Even mistakes, man, they're, they're like, they're great. Yeah. You know, like uh, mistakes are part of what makes us humans. And if you, of course, you can take in a way so dramatic, say, no, no, I made a mistake. And, or say, oh, I made a mistake. It's, it's, it's okay. So uh, you, I believe, are, you're based out of New York City now. And you've started, you've got your own studio. Yeah. And I know I'm probably going to butcher the name of this as well. But it's, it looks like it's written in English, super legal. But I think it's pronounced super legal. <laughs> you got it. Yes. Well, All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you have something for language, I can tell. Oh, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's the mimic in me. Like, I've never been a dancer, but I can look at something and be like, okay, let's move like this. I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> but I can do it. Uh, well, thank you. Um, yeah, so you, Super Legal is located in Bushwick. And so is, is that what, like, is that where you're moving now, like at this point in your life, you want to start producing more or do you use it to write more or help others? Like, so what, what is your main focus of the studio? Well, I, it, I, I was interested in, in the music technology of it, like since, you know, the, the beginning of when Pro Tools came out in early, you know, like late 90s or mm -hmm. in the 90s, I had computers. So I always kept a studio as a home studio as a you know as a as another instrument i see it as just another instrument and then i had this big collection of drums that i kept in storage you know and a lot of percussion instruments and at some point in 2010 i finally got access to a, a space that i could actually store the instruments and also use to play and you know, and then I moved my studio in there, and I start recording, and uh, it, and then I start like working remotely. You know, people either in New York City or instead of like me having to carry the instruments to a, a different studio, was I would say uh, you can just come here, and you know, I have good microphones, I have good preamps, and I have all my instruments here, and we can record. 
started kind of ghettoing a little bit, but then, you know, it started getting a little bit better, you know, like soundproofing and making, getting the right gear and understanding, you know, like how acoustics work. And then I finally got a partner, Jake Owen, and then I think it took a, 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 a bigger step, you know, Which like in Brazilian, more his professional. name is pronounced Jake Owen. Jake Owen, he's, <laughs> he's a guitar player from Texas. He's a great producer. No, no I've just musician. been butchering the Brazilian names, the American name. I'm like, oh, Jake Owen. Shoo. Okay, I can say oh, that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine if it was like Francisco Albuquerque or something. <laughs> but, but the studio allows me to, to work with people. Like during the pandemic, I was really busy. And because I was going to the studio a lot, like writing, producing, and I did, uh, I collaborate with this, this really good friend of mine, Joey Warnaker. We, we made this record that came out on Sony Masterworks uh, last year. And the name of the band is Jomoro. I was literally about to bring that up. I'm looking at the cover art for Blue Marble Sky right now. <laughs> yeah, Blue Marble Sky. And uh, it, it was, it was like, of course, we started we started working on those music and and, and those jams and music, which became you know Blue Marble Sky, like in two thousand and sixteen. But really, during the pandemic, is where we we kind of like digging deeper to finish. So you know, there was one good thing that came out of that. Did you record remotely, or or were you? quarantining together because I, I i was looking on your instagram account for for the band and you've got clips put together of of two or three or four of you playing various songs and you all look like you're in different spaces recording at home i put in air quotes yeah we we were he, he lives in los angeles and i live in new york city but the first session the initial session we were together in los angeles uh that was we spent a week at this this studio called Bolt, and uh, yeah, but then when we start like working was like remotely. Mm -hmm. I love it. I I was actually I had Blue Marble Sky on <clears throat> last night while I was researching you and preparing for the interview today, and and oh, uh, great. so stick to everyone stick to the end um instead of my normal outro music i'm going to play uh, i'm going to have no air play us out because that's oh, that's my new I favorite song that. right now that's a good jam yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you um so let's wrap up here with three standard closing questions that i ask everybody on the podcast the first one just very simply is what motivates you wow the wheel of living <laughs> breathing and 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 to see what's next there is always this, you know, like, I think the best is about to come, mm. you know. Mm, I love that. Okay, so what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? Just trust yourself. It's, uh, there's moments that, you know, you're always going to have doubts and, you know, just ride through those waves, you know, those, eventually you're going to find a place where you're going to feel at easy and, you know, better with yourself. Okay, so last question. This is super hard, and you can interpret it uh, any way you will. If you can only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? So normally this is for like Broadway folks, but you can you can okay. be any show, I, any show that you want to see. Yeah. Ooh, one show. 
Oh, I think would be this. This I, I love this style of musical for horror music, which is I have a band called For Horror in the Dark. There was a guy that was like amazing, a god of like for horror music, and his name is Jackson do Pandeiro, and I would love to see him. He he passed already, but there was something. I wish I had seen him live. Oh, oh! So I just scrolled back up to the intro in my notes. I said "foro in the dark," so it is "foho in the dark." Foho in the dark. My wow. fault. My fault. You're like amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it's it's not an easy word to say, and you got it perfect. Well, thank you, thank you. I just you know need another life as a as a linguist. So where can we find you online? And plug oh. all your bands too. You've got different accounts <laughs> for all your bands. <laughs> Well, I, I use social media. I use Instagram, so Mauro Refusco. And also I have a website, maurorefusco.com, where, you know, people can, I guess, learn a little bit more about what I'm doing or what I did, or, you know, like get in touch and that kind of thing. And then, yeah, so all of the places, uh, we'll put everything in the show notes. So if you have no idea how to spell Moro Herfosco, then, you know, we can uh, just just look in the show notes. It'll be there. Of course, check out uh, Jamoro, the new band. Uh, Blue Marble Sky is the album. I love this stuff. You're hearing no air playing underneath us right now. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Please leave a rating and a review wherever you're listening now. And Mauro, thank you so much. I've had so much fun getting to know you. <laughs> Ellen, it's been a pleasure. It's really, it's really nice talking to you. Thank, thank you so you. much. It's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.